Hi everyone, I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway! Yay! So in this podcast, we discuss things related to musical theaters and plays. And in today's episode, we are talking about Sunday in the Park with George. Okay, so this is our second Sondheim, I believe. Is that right? Sure. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So a brief summary of what Sunday in the Park with George is. It's a musical about the fictionalized life of the artist George Seurat, I think. I am so uncultured when it comes to French things. And also whenever we have to come up with a post, so we had for four already, actually, different musicals that all took place in France. So we had the Romeo and Juliet, which was French, and we had Amelie, we had Hunchback of Notre Dame, and we're having this one. And (laughs) after utilizing Amelie, I completely forgot any other French thing in existence so I always (laughs) scrumble for like what is desserts that is French is it like a croissant croissant is French and croissant is French thank you thank you Becky French 101 French 101 is like Mont Blanc is a French dessert what are some other I use macaron already I use the Eiffel Tower already how many other French desserts can I come up with that would be tangentially related to the musical we talk about so <laughs> choosing all these french musicals doesn't doesn't do much for me we <laughs> need to choose a myself. german one now that i think about it because you probably know more german dessert than french one no <laughs> but germans are not very known for their food really if yeah um if you think about like the hierarchy of European food I feel like in the trenches for fighting for its life is going to be British food which is known for having shit food and then German is just a little bit above it really isn't it like you have like pork hogs they have sausage well I mean you're vegetarian but then there's like what do they have like pretty good cheese I think wine they have really good white wine wine I think um, Germany would be known for a beer, beer like a Toblefest. They actually have really good Riesling. <laughs> oh, okay. Riesling. Wouldn't Riesling... Riesling gives me French. I don't know why. It's, is Riesling German? Well, Germany is well known for it, okay. actually. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know this. Thank you for educating me. No problem. I'm hopeless when it comes to wine and alcohol in general, including beer. But yeah, German, German food... Not very well known for for being very good. They're known for potato and like Wurst. Um, Okay, so back to Sunday in the Park with George. Um, It is a fictionalized life of the artist George Seurat, who I have Googled now and made sure that this is probably a correct approximation of how it's pronounced, um, who painted the painting of a Sunday afternoon on the island of Grand Jeté. And George pioneers a new art technique of regulars by painting like regulars at the park during a series of Sundays, um, during which he also navigates a relationship with his longtime partner, Dot, his successful art friend, his mother, and the rest of the park regulars. We can also share a little bit more about the musical itself. So as I mentioned, this is a Sondheim. And it's actually the first musical Sondheim wrote after the flop of Merrily We Roll Along, which was a huge flop. I think it had like 16 performances or something like that. It was a huge, huge toll on Sondheim as a creator. He actually wanted to quit afterwards. But yeah, I know, right? But he had a very good friend, James Lapine, I think 
is how you pronounce the last name. Name pronunciation and me don't go together. Um, but James Lapine, I'm going to pronounce it that way. They saw a painting, the painting in question in Chicago, and they noticed that the characters resembled a play in which the central character, the artist, is missing. So luckily, the musical itself was actually very successful. It won two Tonys, a Pulitzer, uh, which is usually not a prize we associate with musicals, or at least I don't, and many other awards, including Drama Desk on Laurence Olivier Awards, and also had many reincarnations on Broadway. So that's a fun little tidbit about the musical itself. This next section is going to be very short because I know exactly how much we each know about this musical, but it's clear. What do you know about Sunday in the Park with George? Yeah, literally zero. <laughs> How about you? I knew close to zero. So I definitely have heard of it. We also actually discussed it, if you recall. Okay, we discussed this in relation to Tick Tick Boom. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> did we? Okay. Okay, you still don't recall. Hmm. No. So we discussed this in relation to Tick Tick Boom. And my favorite song from Tick Tick Boom, which was Sunday. Wasn't my favorite. Oh, oh no! Was Life? Yes, I remember now. An homage to this musical and specifically to the song Sunday. Oh, I see. I see. You know what? The funny thing is, without even remembering that we sort of talk about this in that episode, uh-huh. I think in one of the song notes that I have, um, I actually wrote down like, "Oh, this reminds me of Tip Tip Boom." So that's so funny. <laughs> no way okay that's amazing I I said so myself as well even though I did remember that it was definitely an inspiration from this musical that Jonathan Larson did such a good job of mimicking Sondheim's style and like just paying an homage to him in his song Sunday because it's so clear what he is referring to Mm -hmm. so I was really really like amazed by how close it was So yeah, very, very interesting. This part was amazingly short. (laughs) Should we go into the (laughs) in-depth summary? (laughs) Let's go. Okay, so the first thing we get is a glimpse to George's narration about his own art. George directs his longtime lover, Dot, to pose for his painting. Straight off the bat, I would die for Dot. I don't know about you, but I would certainly die for Dot. Um, Wait, hold on a second. Which version did you watch? Oh, that's a great question. I was literally telling myself not forget, not to forget to ask you, and yet I did. I watched Amanda Patinkin and Bernadette Peters. Okay, so I watched, obviously, the Jake version. Yay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if we'll have some differences in our notes regarding to the characters. Maybe. But I was actually so surprised that he was in the musical. Like, I didn't know he could sing. I heard he was in Little Shop of Horror before never watched it okay oh it's a fun musical we should cover yeah so I think if I'm not mistaken I've seen somewhere that this the production he was in was supposed to be like a very short production with only like four previews or something like that and then it was picked on transferred to Broadway because it was very very successful Hmm. so clearly he has some really good singing chops obviously we all know he's a great actor so talented do you want to expand on your love for Jake Gyllenhaal because I'd be so willing to listen to it (laughs) no I just think he he really is a great actor and I enjoy most of his movie he particularly has a style of being able to express a lot of different personalities like especially the creepy ones which I always think really requires some skills you know Mm-hmm. And what does that say about the actor? It says a lot about the person, I think. So, 
<laughs> so for example, him and what's his name? Edward Norton, I think. They're both really good at playing creepy characters, which I love. I love his movies. So <laughs> yeah, I think I don't recall him in anything else besides Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. Oh, seriously? Never? Yeah. Never? He was in this other mu- movie that I always talk about, the one in Texas. No, I know. There is absolutely no way in hell that <laughs> I will watch it. There's anything you need to know about me. There is no way I will watch that particular one. Such a good movie. You're really missing out. Yeah, I'm missing out of being afraid of going to Texas ever in my life. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's poetic in a way. Very poetic. Super. There was another movie he was in. He was like, he was this weird reporter that would like go to the scenes for like the first hand footage. Mm-hmm. And he was also in Zodiac, which I love. Is that about the Zodiac killer? Yeah. Okay, yeah. No way I would watch that. <laughs> So it was in a bunch of things I wouldn't watch, but I oh, would watch Spider-Man. The, the one um, I was talking about is called Nightcrawler, I think. Oh, Nightcrawler. Yeah. Like the comic book character. No. Okay, no then. Okay. <laughs> Not the X-Men character. No. Okay. <laughs> I love this, where this is going. But anyway, he's in a lot, like a lot of really good movies. So Clearly we have different expertise. <laughs> I love how like the only movie you know him from is Spider-Man. And the only other thing I thought I knew him from was a comic book character as well. So, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, so yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal, I'm sure he was great. I know definitely of him. Um, okay, so my next note will mean absolutely nothing to you because you didn't watch the same production that I did. But if you know anything about Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette Peters, they're absolute legends in musical theater. And just having either of them in your musical, you're absolutely golden. And if you have the ability to watch a pro shot with Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette Peters, watch that one. Just because I'm standing my production rather than yours. Going back to the actual plot... George the streets dot in fact I personally think he's working the long con and tries to assassinate her via my long-term obsession sun exposure which will develop into skin cancer because he gets to sit in the shade while drawing her whereas she has to stand in the sunlight and the first sunscreen fun fact wasn't invented until the 1930s and there is no way she was sufficiently protected <laughs> The point that Thank he didn't even you. have a parasol. He gave her a parasol later on, if you noticed. I noticed. But she didn't have a parasol while she was posing for him. So I just want to say that I would have dumped him for that alone. But Dot is clearly infinitely more patient with him than I am. And she's just is generally annoyed by his inattentiveness towards her. Apart from these two, we get to see glimpses of the people who frequent the park an older woman and her nurse. The older woman is actually later revealed to be George's mother. And then we also get a few boys who play in the lake in the park and George captures them in his painting. He presents this painting at a gallery where his friend Jules and his wife criticize it for having no life. On a quick note on the two of them, they may hold the patent for inventing the concept of fake friends. If you ever had fake friends, I feel like this is a class book case of that. But anyway, later in the park, Jules and his wife run into George as he's painting Dot, and they lie about liking the portion of a painting. George and Dot are done for today, and Dot wants to relax at the park, but George goes back to his studio. To placate her, he invites her to the Follies later that night. 
So at the studio, Dodd gets ready to go to the Follies. Meanwhile, George obsesses over his painting, specifically the hat on one of the figures. The figures is going to be Dot later on, actually. George bails on going with Dot to the Follies in favor of finishing the hat in the figure, and Dot goes by herself. Some undisclosed time later, we see that the Follies flop incident had an impact because Dot is strolling in the park hand in hand with someone who isn't George. It's actually Louis, the baker. And she does her very best to flaunt that in George's face while he's painting in the park. So this sparks an awful lot of gossip from the park goers, including George's mom and her nurse, two gossiping young women, and George's fake friends. Dot learns to read from her book, a queen move while George is drawing the dog of a mean owner. So the two of them actually have a very, very sweet moment after some commotion in the park, but are interrupted by Louis, who came back to give Dot some cream puffs. We then cut to another Sunday in the park with George. And today's episode of the park visitors, we have George's mom and her nurse yet again, the two gossiping lady who caught the eyes of two new visitors, soldiers, other newly introduced characters include a little kid, which is um, the kid of George's snobby fake friends, and a German couple. So yeah, so the German couple is actually the servants of Jules and his wife. So that's the connection between all of them. Jules comes to talk to George and tries to encourage him to attend more parties and meet more prospective buyers and also not to change his art style that much because it puts people off. George says he doesn't care and Jules leaves. We finally see Dot, who sings about her new relationship with Louis the baker. She's definitely feeling petty, so she flaunts everything Louis does right, while at the same time putting Louis down because he's not as smart or as artistic as George. So that's a moment I personally don't condone about her, but I do understand. And to summarize her monologue, she wants George, but since George is self-sufficient and doesn't need someone, while she does, it won't work between the two of them. Louis, on the other hand, does need her, so it will work between them. So we have another time skip on our hand. Dot goes to visit George in his studio to grab the painting George made of her. Uh, she's about seven months pregnant with George's baby and is getting married to Louis. Jules and his wife come to inspect the painting George has been working on all along. And Jules' wife and Dot have a conversation about their relationship with the artists in their lives, while Jules and George have a conversation about their art. After Jules and his wife leave, Dot lands a final bomb. She and Louis are leaving to America, and she begs George to ask her to stay, but he doesn't, and she leaves. George goes to see his mother, and she reminisces about the cares of her childhood. And then Dot comes to see George with her newly born daughter, Marie, one final time. George refuses to look at Marie at all, and uh, we also learn he drew over the picture of Dot, so Dot couldn't have it. But he does apologize, so it's all okay now. Anyway, the same day after Dodd and Marie left, Jules has an, an affair with the German servant, but they are found out by his daughter, Louisa, who tells her mom. The gossiping lady and the two soldiers argue as well, and George stops all that through his painting and makes the quarreling people sing together in harmony, like some sick episode of Black Mirror, which I have not watched and will never watch. But they do sound very lovely together and it comes to a very beautiful picture in the end. I think what they wanted Tony for, by the way, was for like set design and I can absolutely see it. Mm -hmm. um, did you watch Black Mirror, by the way? I did. Did this, I think I heard of an episode where they're like inside a simulation or something. They were always inside a simulation. Oh, no, no, no. 
Okay, that's a dumb moment for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> what I meant is like a sci-fi simulation. So like there is this guy and he has like, he puts his, he takes a bit of his coworkers' DNA and he puts them into like a computer simulation where they have, where he controls their every move. Maybe I did not watch that episode then because I didn't watch like the entire, I don't know how many seasons, like five or six right now. Oh, okay. From what I've heard, it's one of the few with a happy quote-unquote ending maybe that's that's, why i did not watch it maybe that's why i've heard of it (laughs) this definitely reminds me of that (laughs) okay um so that is the end of act one act two which is significantly shorter than act one opens with the same characters in the painting complaining we find out george has died and all the characters vocalize their thoughts about george Many years into the future in modern day US of A, a different artist named George is doing a presentation on George Sarah. <laughs> Before I have to think about it every time. Before introducing his own art installation, he brings his grandmother Marie, aka George's and Dot's daughter, to share her own experience. So the presentation and the art installation both flop initially due to technical difficulties, but they work very, very well after. So I don't know. If, again, it's the same as your production, I might ask you this a few times, (laughs) but in this production, he calls his own grandmother Marie instead of grandma. Oh, that's true. That puzzles me endlessly because I feel like it's a trend. Like people sometimes call their parents by their first names rather than mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine that happening. And I can't imagine that happening with a grandma, let alone like parents. I have the exact same thoughts for some time now. Because <laughs> I realized, like, I, I noticed people do that. And it's just, it's something that is just unimaginable in, in my family, in my culture. Like I will mm-hmm. be thrown out of the house. I'll be on the street. <laughs> I'll be like slap in the face. <laughs> if I call my parents by their first name, it's like, I'm disowned. <laughs> Honestly, though, I feel like it's kind of rude, disrespectful. They're mom and dad for you. They're not like, I don't know, George and Dot or Marie and whoever she married but honestly though for us like we did call we said like grandma and then the the name of the grandma afterwards to distinguish the two yeah so the fact that he calls his own grandma Marie rather than grandma Marie or just grandma puzzling to me I don't get it at all yeah but uh the art patrons pass judgment but seem to be very impressed by his art installation overall and George is introduced to some big wigs and he feels pressure to play nice with them even though he doesn't want to for the sake of making art I'm sure anybody who held a job ever can relate to this but Marie reflects on the things that are important to her in the world children and art and is worried for George, who is divorced and childless. He's only 32, though, so he's young. Sometime later, Marie has died. George and his co-worker go to Paris. George turned down an art commission because he doesn't care about what it is, while his co-worker is quitting for the same reason, actually. And alone in the park, George imagines a conversation with Dot, so his great-grandmother, She encourages George to move on and stop worrying what other people say and think. And George starts echoing his great-grandfather's word while he paints. And all the characters come back together for the same final picture of Sunday to pose for the ending of the musical. So that has been a summary of Sunday in a Park with George. I heard a lot of people say that it's a very confusing musical and they had to watch it several times. Did you find very confusing? 
I did find it confusing, but for me, what's really difficult about this musical is not so much about the plot itself; it's more like the message behind it. Yes, yeah, it's yes. so poetic to the point that you have to sort of think twice about what the song, what this character, what the scene is supposed to represent underneath the surface. So it could be saying one thing on the surface, but then deep down it could be saying another thing. So I feel、mm-hmm. like that is much more complicated and requires much more time and effort、um, to analyze and to think rather than just trying to figure out the plot. But that's me, though. How you enjoy you? doing that? I think, at least from our interactions, <laughs> did、yeah. you did you do that? Did you take the time to ponder about the messages and stuff like that? I have, and I feel like that's probably part of the reason why I did not have time to watch another version because、yeah. I do have to pause and maybe rewatch or to re-listen to、um, a few numbers to just trying to really understand what they're trying to communicate.、Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm hundred percent get it right, and I feel like it's really largely depends on the person too. Like different people would have different interpretation. A hundred percent. So yeah, everything I say will just. Based on purely how I think and how I feel, yeah, I think it I, is meant to be very subjective, like very, definitely very subjective. So, in terms of just like how easy to read, or like how easy to enjoy the show, is not like something like I don't know, Lion King or Wicked. That's like pretty universal. You just need to like enjoy the story. But then this、yeah. one feels like an Oscar. Winning <laughs> awarded movie, you know, like sometimes just need to like maybe look a little bit deeper, and it's not as、um, commercial as like let's say a Marvel movie. That's why I think I was actually surprised it survived in all of these, you know, the Broadway, West End, all the kind of stuff for for years,、mm-hmm. because without the star power of all the main actors, so Jake Gyllenhaal definitely has a lot of star power. Mandy Patinkin, Bernadette Peters, all that people, all those kind of people. I feel like without them, because this musical is so cerebral and subjective, it wouldn't survive. As much because people when they come to Broadway, Broadway is a huge, huge business, and a lot of people go to New York just to see Broadways. A lot of people come from many different countries and have different mastery of English as a language. And having a simpler musical can service kids, can service people who English is like not their first language, stuff like that. And this might take a lot of real estate then for something that might not be as popular, especially since it doesn't have very very well known songs that came out of it. I feel like even Sunday, which is a very well known song considering the timing we are in today, got popular or got into a lot of people's consciousness after Tick Tick Boom.、Mm-hmm. So I was kind of surprised that it still managed to have this hold on theaters, but it could be because of the critical acclaim that it has. Um, so let's go into the song by song. So、mm-hmm. the first one is "Sunday in the Park" with George. What do you think? I think it's an interesting opening, and I like how it opens with a series of musical figures. Like it represents the creation of art, and something visually that I also like about this number is that the stage is completely white, and、mm-hmm. you get to really see it as George's canvas. Right, like he enters the white stage. And the white stage becomes the park, and he brings Dot out. So this creation of this famous painting has begun to the sound of this creation arts musically as well. So not just visually, but also musically, 
the composer, the creator, the, the producer sort of already sets the tone of like how this entire musical is going to be about. So you get to hear about it. You get to see about it. You get to hear the Sunday theme. You get to mm-hmm. uh, hear the melody of the first few lines of the Aquan finale Sunday. I feel like through this entire number, he established that this theme is important. And he also creates this framing device beginning and ending the act with the same music, which is so interesting because there's no overture. And the first music that we hear is not a song too. But then these are important. These are significant. And these will kind of guide you through the whole musical show. So I feel like it's brilliant in that way that it echoes so much about this entire musical, the finale and everything. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of messages within this first scene. So establish in our ears the main themes. Um, it also like visually let us see them, like as- associate this theme with the certain ideas or conflicts and the characters. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of details that's being established here in this world in which these characters live. So it's very well crafted. It's very neatly organized as a as an great opening number that is meant to sort of like give you hints on what's going to happen and I think in that regard it's a great opening number and I really like how it opens up with the um, George just comes up and he goes like what was it what was the word like a order design composition tension balance and harmony and these are the words that will just sort of coming back at you (laughs) once every while is the central theme in this entire musical so I think it's a great opening number because just how well it introduced to all these complicated ideas themes musics and characters so I like it yeah (laughs) sorry I know it's very complicated no that's that's such like insightful commentary I feel like your commentary on this is a lot more insightful than what I'm going to have in mind (laughs) um but I'm so stoked because it clearly seems like you thought so much about it it was like yes uh you can carry me through this (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah this is my favorite song actually I really, really enjoyed it. As an opening number, I thought it was really, really strong. It's also very unusual, or at least a little bit unusual for Sondheim, because normally he starts his musicals with like musical numbers right away. And in here, the actual musical star was speaking or was just some elements. So it's a little bit out of the box for him. And I think it's a good number, not only because obviously it includes the name of the musical in it, but I think it shows us the starting point as well. So even though like George is name checked in the musical and obviously in the title, he's technically the main character. I think Dot is probably a lot more of a main character than he is. That's why we start with her point of view with this song, Sunday in the Park with George's pretty much a solo from hers and um, we start with how she feels and what she thinks and her worldview entirely and I think the musical itself is named from her worldview and this is a nod to it so it's also her legacy that matters just as much as his including his work and her work and her artistry with the grammar book so I think all of these elements are really established in this very opening number and another thing that I found myself wondering a lot about is her name so her name here is Dot she's based on a real person the real person's name is not Dot but because they took the time to change her name I feel like it can be a coincidence so George's art style is composed completely of dots it's a technique he pioneered and essentially he takes different coloring dots and from distance it will look like a different like the two dots 
combine into different colors. So because his art is so tied to Dot, for me, it feels like it's connected to the themes. So this is, again, with why the themes are so subjective here because from what I can gather there are two ways to see it here for example I can assume her name is Dot because once she leaves George's life he loses both meaning and artistry which contributes to his early death or I can also make the rationale that her name is Dot because she was just a single dot in his life and in the grand scheme of things the painting and everything that art means to him, it doesn't matter as much. And I can find support for both of these assumptions in the text. And I wonder if this is the kind of thinking that they included when they decided to name her Dot. Ooh, that's actually a great point. I like how you link it to um, the fact that his art style is like a large summary of countless dots. That's actually pretty clever. Which one do you go for? Because I definitely already revealed my bias I really like Dot Dot is my favorite character here but do you think that they named her or Dot or one of the big themes is that the art matter more than the family component because they're constantly at odds in the musical so your personal life versus your art which one do you think the musical leans more towards I feel like it's really open to interpretation exactly but for me Mm -hmm. I think yeah I I think I'll tend to not think that it means dot is just a dot in his life and sort of personal over the artistry yeah mm-hmm. i agree yeah i think a big lesson for george here is to realize the importance of like human re- relationships and social mm-hmm. relationships connections that he can create with other people on an emotional level and obviously for act two it's like act two's george is the opposite yeah exactly yeah. so that's something that the both Georges need to learn. But then again, I don't think George in Act 1 actually learned his lesson. Oh, well, no. George in Act no. 2 he definitely only learned didn't. his lesson after Act 2. No, happened. I don't think he learned it at all. Really? Mm-hmm. I think he learned it eventually. And then that's why he was able to communicate his learning and his wisdom to the George in the second act through dot that's how I see it I see that's interesting I didn't think he learned it at all because to me what we hear about it after Sunday um, or after dot leaves is essentially the same cycle he had before she left so he got another temporary muse for himself to draw and he understands that he is not able to be the attentive person that everybody wants him to be and that's why the shelf life of his lovers are usually so short and I think dot is unique in the way that she stayed for longer than usual. In terms of the song itself and Dot herself, uh, there are so many little ways that, at least in the version that I've seen, Bernadette Peters injects life into her. Like, I love how she's balling up her hands into fists because she's annoyed. And this actually, this little minute details come back later in Sunday where he poses Dot the way he wants and her hand is still balled into fists or like, he does the same motion to make her hand relax. Um, So that's just little gestures and little facial expressions that just make her seem a lot more real as a person. And in terms Mm -hmm. of her singing, obviously it's Bernadette Peters, absolutely immaculate. When she goes, artists are bizarre, fixed, cold. That's when I was like, oh my God, she can do no wrong. Not to mention how low she goes and the note bizarre the second time she sings it. 
like she goes from really really high to the really low note of bizarre and I was like wow that's that's incredible also the ending like when when uh, George says don't move your mouth and then she just says it through clenched teeth George yeah and another like just amazing another such a high point of this number for me and another thing I thought was really really hilarious is again I don't know <laughs> if this is something that happened in your production but there is the part where she performs a scene with um I love your eyes George I love your ears George I love your beards George all that kind of stuff and she just goes all up in George's face and he has to act oblivious and she has to act totally in love and just literally be on him at some point and then perform in a way for him afterwards which I think is going to be or must have been such an awkward thing to perform in front of everybody or even to practice before you're performing and I appreciated that <laughs> Um, so yeah, that is my favorite. I'm guessing your favorite didn't come as early, but don't forget to tell us when it does. Next one is No Life. I honestly have nothing to say. Yeah, yeah. I think it just, the song achieves what it wants to, which is just to illustrate how horrible and pretentious his friends are. And also I think his entire friend character, like Jules, I have a sinking suspicion that it's supposed to represent critics in general. And I feel, I don't know if I'm ejecting a lot of like my thoughts into him or just whatever, but I think a lot of points in a musical can reflect to the feelings he felt after Merrily Roll Along flopped and maybe his dislike for the critics or people who don't appreciate art and are just very mechanic in the way they go about things critique people who have true artistry quote-unquote in them that might be what Jules is supposed to represent um color and light yeah it's an interesting one because I (laughs) think interesting points Dot's character like we already see a lot of Dot's personality from the first song but I feel Mm -hmm. like from this song we get to see her at another level and it's a very interesting thing that I noticed about her because the musical that he writes usually the characters are pretty immature in terms of love so this reminds me of like Joanna and Anthony in Sweeney Todd too um and obviously in Sunday Dot and George they're both emotionally and socially immature even though I think they're about maybe like young 20s or something and you get to see that Dot seeks a thrilling love life rather than like a satisfying or a solid one and she's like into this bad boy type almost and she tells George that he's fixed and he's cold but then she also admits that that's what she likes about in a man Mm -hmm. Um, so she seeks out this man who will treat her badly and then complains it when they do and I feel like it says a lot about her like this part of her who is like seeking that sort of relationship with a man obsessed with his work and incapable of expressing his emotion. But then she also dislikes that. So isn't it interesting that she lives with a man that never really approves of her? And then she also judges herself only by his standards and criteria, like her concentration, her reading skills, the shape of her body. Like she has some pretty serious self-image issues that I feel like she's not addressing. And that leads me to like wonder, like what sort of relationship 
with her dad that she has. Oh, okay. You're going Freudian? <laughs> but doesn't it make it interesting curious? choice? <laughs> I, I just thought about that when I was listening to it because you can see that she has a lot of criticisms towards herself. Oh, that's true. And 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 it's so obvious that she wants to be this ideal type of the woman that George wants. But I don't know. There's so much about Dot that was just so interesting in this number. Uh, I mean, she definitely has low self-esteem in some ways, but also at the same time, I don't think it lets her, it let it stop her. I feel like she knows what she wants and she knows what she needs and she gets it despite whatever she think about herself. Honestly, I feel like the way she's talking about herself is kind of like a development of being in a toxic relationship. I wouldn't say abusive because I don't think it's necessarily abusive, but toxic relationship or relationship where it doesn't work for the two parties. It definitely doesn't work for her, where if she's in it long enough and she gets no response from who she loves, she assumes that something is wrong with her because she clearly thinks the sun and the moon of him, she thinks he's great. So even even if she has complaints about him, she's like, oh, you know, he's smart. He's an artist. Even if he has flaws, I don't mind. I like them. Mm-hmm. And I just want him to give me any inclination that I'm needed. So it makes sense that she would guess or second guess that something is wrong with her in this case. Obviously, this is incorrect. But I think to me, it's more derived from her relationship because I think she has the strength in her to overcome this and seek what she knows she needs and wants. Okay. Which is admirable. Like, I mm-hmm. think that's it really is. amazing. Um, personally, Color and Light, I actually thought it was more of a perspective of George rather than Dot. For me, how I saw it is George's perspective of the opening number, Sunday in the Park with George, um, with narrations from Dot. And obviously, as the song goes on later, we get a bit more of a complimentary duet between the two of them and their opposing opinions. Uh, I actually, usually I don't do this, but for this, I watched a video about um, Sunday in the Park with George, and it's a video from a channel I actually really like, Entertain the Elk, and the name of it is How Sondheim Writes a Musical. And essentially in the video, he says that Sondheim used George's theme and voice to reflect his art style. So the same thing I thought about Dodd, I think, with how it connects to his art style is something that apparently Sondheim worked into the music itself. So in Color and Light, when George vocalizes, it's actually his first big number. Um, He has a lot of staccatos and he has a lot of themes that are very disorganized and seemingly disorganized and very divorced from one another and it's supposed to imitate the dots of different colors that go next to each other like the art style and also he mixes a lot of other musical elements to complement one another in a similar way that Seurat did in his painting I thought it was really really brilliant and I would have never noticed mm-hmm. it myself so kudos to him and another aspect that I think is really crucial to understanding George as a person and not coming out of this musical hating him is the degree of separation or the lack of connection theme George experiences and has with the rest of the characters and most of all you can see it with Dot and his own mother and I think that's also where it's shown very very clearly is in this musical number because you see him divorced again from all of his environment 
and that brings me back to the conception of the musical where the main character essentially is not in the painting the artist himself is not there so I think that narratively connects to everything and last thing I really really enjoyed the music itself in here and specifically I enjoyed George's part I love the complexity and I love the staccatos they include there and I feel like it also feels very urgent and that sense of urgency is so important because I feel like without it he just feels like a douchebag and like he doesn't (laughs) care you know (laughs) and I just think this way you understand that it's something that he can't like not to do he can't not paint he has to and that because he's so one track mind of a person he can't attend to two things at once which I can relate I'm a horrible multitasker too but not to this extent Mm -hmm. and without all this understanding that is planted in this number I think people would hate George so it's a really really important concept to the musical Mm -hmm. okay what do you think about gossip I don't really think too much about it. I sort of actually combined it as like just the day off. But we both. Okay. I don't know if I should even call this a number, but this is like a <laughs> pretty messy chunk of um, pieces here and there. Mm-hmm. But pretty much for me, this whole scene outlines how George can get into everyone's head or like he can put himself in a lot of people's shoes to really get to know them in a way because yeah. I don't know if it's the same in your, your version but then in my version there was a scene where he was sort of like thinking from a dog's perspective oh that's that's a song number it will be in any any production I think okay is it a song number because it wasn't it included is. okay is it in the day off it is the day off yeah. okay okay cool because I'm like <laughs> I see some people distinguish this as like the dog song and it's by itself a number and from wikipedia it's everything is sort of just organized under the day off so I was wondering I like which one you went by yeah yeah the day off is the dog number I think they call it the dog number because it's so bizarre that was my <laughs> it is notes it for is. this as well so my notes on the day off is, are very short so I'm glad you're talking about okay this. cool Cool. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for for that. I think even though it was, it seems pretty out of nowhere from the beginning. And by the way, I'm always very embarrassed whenever somebody like trying to imitate like an animal sound. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just Me like, oh, cringe. Oh so, my god, no. Okay, you and what? I have the memory actually. So when we went to, we knew for a while we were going to move to Canada, and we went on a trip here when I was, I think, around ten years old, and. The trip was for a pretty long while. I think it was like about a month, which corresponds approximately to Passover vacation in Israel. So I had some decent amount of time off school, but it wasn't necessarily a month. And my parents wanted to put me in school while I was here just to integrate me, I think, on paper. But honestly, it's because where else they're going to do with a kid for a month? Like they didn't want me to just do nothing at home. So One of the things they asked us to do in here while I was in school is they had probably, it might have been a drama class, it might have been something else, I don't remember, but it was a game where all the kids in my class had to imitate dogs. Oh! And we, we were in a circle, and there is a person in the middle the person in the middle has to imitate a dog and if another person laughs from their imitation they have to be in a circle 
what is this this is so embarrassing it's so embarrassing and obviously I laughed and I just used the fact that I didn't know any English whatsoever to say I don't want to do this so (laughs) I didn't do this but I was mortified because I thought I might be forced to imitate a dog and I was like there is absolutely no way in hell that I would ever do this um so we just skipped me but I feel like honestly it's it's not fair towards the other kids in the class but I would never ever ever that's insane that's insane I can totally relate though that imitating animals I I can never do that in the public Mm -mm. yeah uh no Okay, for me, the day off was just a what the heck song. I honestly, <laughs> like, because I listened to the cast recording first, I obviously got that it's about a dog. Like, I didn't need any explanation that it was about anything else. And from context, I could understand, oh, George, I recognize his voice. He's singing with the dog, so he's probably painting a dog and he's trying to capture his perspective. So from that, I got what they meant to do. But it just seems so out of character for George, who any other scene in the play is so stoic and reserved and barely says a word to sing the song rather than like someone else even though George is obviously the painter here so it kind of makes sense but it still took me out of the moment and I figure the only reason why they would include a number like this is to humanize George which didn't work for me all that much it was just like this is way too off base for me to appreciate I'm sorry it might work for you it might work for other people but it didn't work for me In terms of gossip, I actually really enjoy that if you connect it to the criticism point from earlier on with Jules and his wife, it just shows how everybody loves passing judgment on everybody else and why we should just ignore them anyway. And I think that also connects to another point. A big theme in this musical is just to do your own thing and ignore what other people say, just do what you love and what you think you need to do and move on from any other negative experience you had with what other people said. And again, I think in my conspiracy theory brain that this will connect to Merrily. But I think uh, this what is gossip supposed to be for. And also gossip shares a similar sense of urgency to color and light. And I think it's because George is not very good at the interpersonal aspects of things. He's not very good with relationships. So having a situation where the community he's at, the community of the park regulars, gossip about him and about the people he is in touch with might be a bit of a distressing experience for him, even though he doesn't show it because he doesn't understand it. So I figure... The urgency is because of that. Okay. What are your thoughts about the dog, actually? Did you enjoy it? Um, I will say it's, uh, like, I have a lot of respect for the performance, but yes. it was a little bit awkward for me to watch. Did you think it's something that is realistic for George to do? Because, as I mentioned, I didn't think that was realistic for him. I think it actually is a little bit too extreme. Yeah, I can't see him doing something similar, but I don't know if he would go that far. I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. I have nothing to say about the one on the left. Me too. Good. Finishing the hat. Honestly, this is a difficult song to understand, I think. Yeah. And that is because... Well, first, this is coming from George and George alone. So even though that we do, like you said, understand George a little bit from color and light, this one is entirely 
just George. Yeah. And the first time you listen to it, the way I understood it was very, very vague. Like I sort of get what the song was trying to say, but mm-hmm. then there is something else beneath the surface. And I might just be reading it into the just one level down but there could be I don't know 10 levels down to to this thing so you can let me know but on one hand I honestly like I said have tremendous respect for artists because he looks like he's incredibly lonely and whether they're intentionally or unintentionally put themselves in that situation where they get to focus and only focusing on being lonely and therefore on their art it doesn't mean that they don't have feeling right so obviously Mm -hmm. we get to see the fact that they also want to be loved they want to have somebody to care about and they want to um somebody to care for them too but you can't really always have everything right and knowing that painful consequence of their choice and what their choices would mean to them but still making that choice I think is exactly what is admirable And that is what distinguishes an artist from, I guess, a normal person. I don't want to like romance, like make it too romantic, but I think the fact that you're able to devote all of yourself into something that you see more important than your life is is pretty incredible. And I wouldn't be able to make that choice. So I have respect about that. And like I said earlier in our conversation, actually just prior to recording this episode, I don't know how many people are actually following Winter Olympics because that's uh, something that is happening right now. I don't. (laughs) I know. But me, myself, I'm a big figure skating fan. And one of the skaters that I really, really like is is Hanyu. And I guess for every anyone who knows a little bit about figure skating, like he is a very well-respected skater out there and one thing about him that sort of can just stick with me is in one of the interviews he said that he has been really really lonely because he's always training by himself so he will wake up at 2 a.m to the rank just to train by himself over and over again day after day and that loneliness is is incredible and is very painful but it is what it makes him able to perform the performance that he wants to make so he would like to stay that way even though it's very lonely so I feel like even though obviously athlete and artist they're different but then they're also sort of similar in some regards and I can see that similarity here but I myself have personally also a conflictive feeling about this one is because on the other hand I feel like he is sort of justifying his me attitude towards Dot and other people mm-hmm. because it's like saying that, oh, I have this something that is more important to do than to worry about people's feelings. So in a sense, I feel bad for him because he has feelings too. And he obviously cares about others people too. But at the same time, he sort of made his own tragedy because why should anybody love or care about you when you don't know how to love or care about the other person right Mm -hmm. so even though he knows why he screws up relationships he still can't change and because usually when a character figures out what's wrong he can fix it right but Mm -hmm. here understanding doesn't mean that he comes to a solution it doesn't mean that he's able to solve his problems and I think that's what's really realistic about this this show, this number, and, and George in general, because sometimes we acknowledge one of our flaws, 
but it's not like we can change anything on the spot. Like it takes time and it definitely takes time here because it takes him 100 years until we get to act two that we get to see that he sort of comes to some sort of, um, I don't know, acknowledgement or some sort of change. So I don't know. It's a difficult number. It's a complicated number. Um, There's so much you can read into it or so many ways that you can understand him and the number. So I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah, I actually came out to the same realizations as you, though I do have a different interpretation of how the musical ends in act two. But everything else in terms of who George is, is exactly identical, including the fact that his communication issue is not that he doesn't, he's not aware of it, but it's not, it's that he can't do anything about it, which is the tragedy here. And I think this might be relatable to a lot of people, but I personally would have an issue relating to it myself because I'm not an artist. So this is not something that I feel like caters towards me. And even though I do have an understanding of what's going on, I can sympathize. And even though George is not a very emotional person, he's very reserved, he's stoic. I think this is like a cry of emotions that comes out of him where everything in his life goes down the drain. Mm. And it's very, very tragic to see but it's also very difficult to put yourself or to put myself in this case in the headspace that he, where he's at. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have nothing to say about the day off for praise. Yeah, me too. Cool. We do not belong together. Yeah, it actually reminds me of the scene where Jonathan Larson breaks up with Susan to tick boom for some Ooh. reason. <laughs> okay, that's one I that one I didn't make the connection to, but you're so right. You're so so right. Right. <laughs> When I was watching, I'm like, oh, Susan, I see you in here. But (laughs) but I think other than that, the song speaks a lot of truth for human relationship where you can't be who other people want you to be. But staying true to yourself could also mean that there's no room for sacrifice and compromises. And therefore, when you have to part with people you love, you just sort of have to let them go. So I guess it actually makes me think just how much we should change as a person in order to make a relationship work. Because obviously, if you just never change, you never learn, you never know how to become better. But what is better and how much you should stay true to be who you are? You know, it's something that I was wondering because... I'm not trying to say like George is right, like Dot should never have asked him to change. Mm-hmm. But some stories or some, um, I guess, media would paint you a picture of like, oh, true love doesn't require compromises. It just fit. It just click. But it doesn't work that way, right? It always requires work. At least mm-hmm. to, <laughs> in my belief, I think like long lasting relationship requires efforts. Mm-hmm. But how much effort is too much? is the question and I think I don't have an answer for that but I'm really conflicted I feel like this entire musical a lot of the scenes and just the conflicts they show in this musical makes you think a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's a great thing mm-hmm. so yeah but what do you think though <laughs> am I thinking too much well regarding what you verbalized right now I would say that the conflict here is that George doesn't change at all It's not even that he doesn't change for the better. There is absolutely no change in him as a person. And I feel like if you let a relationship get to you, again, you're the relationship expert, definitely between the two of us. So not me, but so feel free to correct me if 
you think differently. But if you are in a relationship with somebody that is long-term and you're not changed whatsoever, I think that's a red flag because I think you're not necessarily emotionally invested in that relationship. And the issue with Dot is that he didn't change at all. Obviously, what you want in the relationship is to change for the better. You want your partner to make you a better person. And that's part of the reason why you're interested in them. And also, you want to care about what they think and what they say. This is an important part because they're a special person to you. Like, it doesn't have to be, for example, a romantic relationship. You can care about what your family thinks and say and what your friends think and say. I certainly care about what my family thinks and say and what you think and say, for example. That's why we have this podcast. And he doesn't care necessarily or at least he doesn't verbalize that he cares and I think that's such a fundamental part of the relationship that without it she feels like she has a one-sided relationship and that's not what she's after Mm -hmm. Um, so that's just my thoughts about the relationship aspect of it in terms of the song itself I think it's such a beautiful and such a human song Again, I find myself very unable to sympathize with George and only able to sympathize with Dot here, which I think actively blocks me from understanding the musical fully, even though I understand him and I can see where he's coming from. I just, it doesn't come natural to me. I have to literally put myself in his shoes and I have to think about the way that I think he might do it. But for her, just automatic, I understand what she feels like. And that might be, again, the lack of artistic talent or whatnot. But I just think the instinctive thing in me says, oh, you know, George is in the wrong here. George is being selfish. But the other conflicting thing is obviously George never said he would change. He never claimed he would. He puts all his cards on the table and Doc knew this getting into the relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's also why he has those short-term relationship with women because even though all of them probably knew about this, about George, they expected this to follow maybe other relationship which they had where they changed the person a little bit or the person budges or has an emotional reaction to them because they spend so much time together and this doesn't happen here and it doesn't happen with dot at least outwardly and this might also be the point though because personally i keep wanting the musical to go back to what i think is the central point dots and george's relationship but i'm also really frustrated George doesn't communicate or George keeps going into his own headspace, for example, with a dog or later with Sunday. And that's probably exactly what Dot is experiencing, only much, much more. And because in my theory, this musical is more about Dot even than George, despite him being the main character. I think that's exactly what we're supposed to derive from here. Mm-hmm. Um, how about Beautiful. This is another really difficult song to analyze and share. And the song opens up a lot of questions because... That's great first, because I have nothing to say about really? it. Really? So go ahead. <laughs> I think first thing first is what exactly is the song about? Because to me, sometimes it's about the difference between things that really are like aka pretty and how George perceives and idealizes them, which is, yeah. I guess, beautiful because notice how the the way that George and his mother remembered the events of his childhood so differently yeah. be- in the beginning of the song too. So is this song more generally about the point of view, George's versus his mother's, or like passes versus presence or okay, nature? So for versus that science? I did have an opinion. Okay. Please but share. for that 
for me, just a confirmation that George is disconnected from the people around him and he views things from a different perspective. And that's why he's being so much more analytical about his relationship with his father, for example, and the past while his mom romanticizes it. It can also, of course, be because of the age differences and uh, so on and so forth. But I think it's furthering the plot that George is disconnected emotionally as a person. Okay, that I understand, but I feel like there's a lot more than just that because like you said, pretty is only like a service quality, right? And, mm-hmm. and I guess to George, beauty means that it goes so much deeper, like involves the mind and emotions and even mm-hmm. changing the viewers in some way. And they talk about changes. They talk about changes a lot. And I guess changes is another really great theme in this entire musical. And that mm-hmm. is greatly emphasized in this particular number because how they view changes is so different. Yeah. And me personally, I hate changes. Me too. <laughs> I, I honestly hate changes. I like to keep things the way they are. So when I was listening to this, I find a song moving and strangely sort of comforting in some ways because it's sort of like trying to remind you that change is natural and changes isn't always bad or is not always good it's just kind of what you make of it and also from a narrative perspective the song has tremendous import it positioned just before the Aquan finale it gives us so much greater weight to it mm-hmm. that the fact that it's George's only personal moment with his mom in this entire show means that this message is important to George and is important to I guess the producer and, and whoever writes it so there's a lot of rich layers of meaning in this lyrics and the song really will mean different things to different people depending on whether or not they're artists or if they know artists or how they just view their own landscape and its evolution. Like a lot of the things about this song- You go to so many Freudian places today, I Claire. I feel like this, this musical, I am not even kidding you. I feel like it's one of the most like philosophical ones that we ever covered. At least if for me personally- If only like a fraction of this into Ghost Quartet. <laughs> I know that one is way more like too confusing I think but yeah there's a lot of things that go into this and I'm actually curious to see what you think about the last line which is oh George how I long for the past view because the way I understood it is that George was feeling disappointed because he drew the present moment that they're in that they're sharing together right now hoping that his mom would see the beauty in that moment. But then his mom was thinking about a distant past and he, she was unable to see what he was seeing. But what do you think? I didn't think about it this way. Um, maybe my analysis of this was a lot more shallow than yours, but I, maybe for sure. But um, for me, the song was definitely about the cycle of life. For example, the mom being older towards the end of her life, she romanticizes things a lot more than he does, especially in the past. She sees a lot less possibilities than he does. Also, the fact that she is able to emotionally connect to people around her and he isn't gives the different flavor to each of their perspectives and understandings. And you would see it very regularly, and I'm sure you experience it as well, nostalgia and all that. But People like seeing what they grew up with and they think it's better and having to see all these changes that you don't understand, all these industrialization of concepts that you don't understand can be very scary to an individual, especially when they're nearing their death. So 
for me, that was the salient moment. And I feel like that connected really well with Marie later on. And George's the younger <laughs> relationship with Marie mm-hmm. too, which was a lot more impactful to me as a person than beautiful. But because beautiful didn't hint at the death of anybody it just feels like the contrast between the younger people and the older people and how they see change reflected around them where the younger people can feel like they can participate in it I think George was in his late 20s he dies dies at 31 so he was either very Mm -hmm. late 20s or uh, just 30 or something along those lines so he definitely has a whole life and future ahead of him to look forward to but she lived her entire life as a certain way and she felt like it might be too late for her to participate in it and for him as somebody who a doesn't really participate in the society he's in that's not no skin of his back and b because he is young he also has a color the rose colored glasses on top of everything around him so i viewed it more of that perspective okay okay now the act one finale sunday Oh, okay. So this is my favorite song. Not surprising. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, amazing at one closer. Um, I think what the world really is versus what the world looks like in George's mind. It was just visually super impressive. Musically, the first time that I ever sing in harmony. Like this is incredible way to close it. I think just the fact that they are able to even just recreate a painting on the stage is just incredible. Gorgeous. Absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah, for sure. I also think it's a really, really beautiful number. I think this would be either my second or third favorite from this um, musical. Uh, The thing is, it kind of feels like a musical like the actual true finale and I know obviously it comes back to be the true finale in act two but I feel like the musical altogether didn't need act two and could have closed it at act one with this number personally because I think it finishes both George's arc and Dot's story very very well and the reason why there is probably an act two is because Sondheim and Lapine didn't finish talking about the themes they want maybe that's the reason maybe they wanted to do the reversal of the George's But even the act two finale was leaving everything pretty open-ended. You saw how we each had different opinions and how much we speculate about this. So I think we could have still had all these different opinions if the musical ended here with Mm -hmm. this number. But that's like the narrative portion of it. Musically itself, I just love it. It's gorgeous. It's serene. It's beautiful. Having the experience of listening to everybody arguing and internally wishing for them to shut up and being able to do that, that must be such an amazing thing that he's able to do. I'm sure everybody had the experience where they wanted to do that, and he just lives our fantasies in the best, most beautiful way. And also, mm-hmm. of course, as we talked about from Tick, Tick, Boom, captures it really well. Did you listen to Sunday afterwards? No, right? I did. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is I actually rewatched the whole thing with my brother, because I think he got really obsessed over uh, Andrew Garfield after watching Spider-Man. So yeah, <laughs> so we watched the whole thing again. And yeah, I, I think I grew to appreciate it a lot more than mm-hmm. the first time I was watching it. Mm. Yeah, Fair enough. Act two opener. It, it opens with It's Hot Up Here. I'm going to go in there and say I had some criticism about the narration or the narrative way the story was going in 
act one and with Sunday. And I think it's a bit of an awkward opener. I really like this musically, don't get me wrong, but it just unnecessary. I would personally have moved straight to um, Kwamulim number seven, which I think would have been a fantastic act two opener in and of itself. Obviously, the issue that would be with just cutting this number is the exposition about George's death. But I think considering the rest of Act 2 is modern day, it's safe to assume that all the original characters, including George, are dead. And also, they could have communicated that via the presentation. It would have been clear for everybody. And even better than that, like just cutting this number, because I think it's really, really nice musically, they could have just rearranged it and keep like and could have kept it. Because what they could have done is they could have started with a presentation, which is going to happen later on, when modern day George introduces George uh, Sarah. And we could zoom in on the painting that he is known for and then have this number with the exposition and all rather than just have this thing in the past and then go to the future. I think it makes it a little bit disjointed and not flow as nicely. What do you think? Okay, that's a good point. I personally don't really have a lot of um, that much criticism to say about the song. I thought it was actually quite an interesting perspective from the people in the painting. I thought it was interesting to hear things from their perspective. And I also like the fact that um, after the song, the characters kind of come forward one by one to talk about George in the past tense. Yeah, Because up until this moment, we mostly only see things through George's eyes or even dots, but then not so much from other characters. So it's interesting that we get this view into the opinions of others about George which can be so different than what we have learned so far. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely enjoyed the song. Don't get me wrong. I mm-hmm. love it musically. I appreciated the reflection on George's personality and who he was as a person. And I wish they would have found a better way to include it because I think this is a weird placement for it. Mm-hmm. What do you think about putting it together? I think it's beautiful. Because there's this wonderful connection between the two Georges in this piece. Um, The melody that says to the words, putting together, it has the same melody, minus one note, that George from Act One sings to the words in Finishing the Hat. They share the same creation music. And the connection between art and science is presented as both awful and funny in this way, because we get to see George's technician tells him that he's leaving the art world to go back to NASA, where there's less pressure. And it's a joke. I don't know if it's the same joke in your version. Okay, okay, cool. And the fact that there's so much reality that goes into this joke, Mm -hmm. it's both sad and funny at the same time and even as we laugh we also understand how difficult it is for George to not only be an artist but also like marketing expert he has to be fundraiser celebrity and certainly the modern day George understands like how to promote himself and his art better than the George von Aquan did Um, but the relationship between art and the real world is still an uneasy one in here right mm-hmm. so honestly I was keep on wondering if the actors themselves kind of can relate to that message where they also struggle between movies that sell 
versus movies that are more artistic. So it kind of reminds me of that criticism of, um, I can't remember what that director's name was, ironically. I swear I'm not doing this intentionally, but wasn't there a director who complained and criticized Marvel for destroying the cinematic art? Oh, Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. Yeah. It it reminds me of that because in different art forms, there's always that struggle, I guess, between the financial aspect of it and versus like, the I guess the more artistic side of it so that's one aspect I really enjoy about this did it also song. remind you of Tick Tick Boom obviously I think okay. that's needless <laughs> to say okay cool yeah. and from a music standpoint I think they had some really amazing use of uh, rhymes here the lyrics are very well written the state of art for example which yeah. usually is used to describe technology, right? Instead of uh, artistic productions. But the, the way that they use it here, genius. So I honestly have so many positive things to say, just how much it um, connects to the at one and just how much it is realistic enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but how about you? Yeah, I also really, really enjoy this number. What I really, really enjoyed was the stark contrast between the two Georges we talked about before. And this George actually reminded me a lot more of Jules because he's very conscientious about his social relationships and his businesses and how he talks to his competitors, which is why Jules still maintained that relationship with George, for example. And all that kind of aspect combined give you much more of a Jules image and the arc that George younger George will go through is the arc that would have fixed Jules into a better person as well and kind of like a transformation to become more like his great-grandfather which is really really interesting also I think I really enjoyed musically the element so you already mentioned a connection between um the hat and song in this one but another element that connects them all together is the song also employs a lot of staccatos and employs a lot of the separate elements that come together into painting the song that it the song that it is and that's a carryover for the technique to connect it to act one as well which Mm -hmm. i loved again i think if you are an artist you would probably enjoy this musical a lot more i think this would be such a rewarding song to listen to as an artist because this is essentially a love song to what artistry is Mm -hmm. um, from a modern day perspective. Um, Children and art. Personally, I'm just going to say my piece of it, of thinking about it, because I have many. I think the song is probably either the best song in here or the second best, but it's by no means my favorite. In fact, I really don't like listening to it because every time I listen to it, it was such like an emotional experience for me. And because I listened to the cast recording throughout the entire week, I was dreading every single re-listen that I had to do for the cast recording. And even though I had to do it again and again for this episode, and I just couldn't listen to it without getting so depressed. And every single time I listened to it without fail, like my eyeballs were just like welling with tears. And I didn't, I didn't cry. But (laughs) um, I just had this visceral emotional reaction to it. And that's not what I look for in a musicals personally. And I think a lot of people wouldn't look for this in a musical either. People like something that is entertaining. I listen to songs or consume media as a mood stabilizer more than anything else. And I feel like there is so much depressing content in the world without needing to consume it in media form, though for a lot of people, that's exactly what they enjoy. Good for them. Not for me. 
Um, so as I mentioned, it is such a gorgeous number though. And it has one of the themes in a musical that I grew with most, which is about, you know, the importance of family alongside the importance of artistry. And Bernadette Peters does such a good job as an older lady, of course, I'm sure. Um, Annalie Ashford, I hope that's her name, <laughs> um, does an amazing job in your version too. But the one that I watched is so, so good. The way she emotes during like doing her old lady voice like it, she sells it really really well the acting here is very convincing which is why I think it was such an emotional experience for me to watch um there are many many songs that I would re-listen to from this musical in fact most of them I would re-listen to this after this episode I don't think I would ever willingly re-listen to it just because of this experience that I had with this um but it is definitely an important song and one that I wouldn't omit from this musical, but prepare yourself for it. What do you think about it? Yeah, I honestly agree with what you say. I think it's an important song, but I don't enjoy listening to it. Yeah. 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 But you pretty much said it all, to be honest. I feel like you already said everything I wanted to say. So yeah. glad that we are at least on the same page. Yes, only one of us had to re-experience it. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have nothing to say about lesson number eight. Do you? I don't think so. I guess other than the fact that this is the beginning of the most important sequence in the show. Yeah, which is the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You want to talk about it? No, it's just you get to know um, the time that George will finally learn what he needs to learn. So we can move on to move on. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So let's move on to move on. I personally think this song is very Taoist. Okay. If you have any experience with Taoism, that as a Chinese philosophy pretty much means that you just need to be natural. Like you need to just be who you are, be present mm-hmm. in the moment, pretty much. <laughs> so it reminds me of Taoist ideals a lot. Question Again, actually. Yeah. Sure. Did, what m- I had in mind when I listened to it is like oh you know it's meditation essentially because they keep drawing on and about on about like the importance of concentration and that's what he taught her and he taught her to live in the moment and concentrate and it's not just the same as being still it's literally about concentration um so what I thought about was meditation is that like importance in meditation do you know at all is this what you got as well or is it just the Taoism oh I definitely get that too okay cool cool, cool. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. I wouldn't I wanted to know if this is like the same idea of course you know the actual philosophy behind it and I don't or if that kind of feeling is removed from what you're talking about oh no I think that's very apparent here okay it's super obvious here so I I didn't even bother to (laughs) to like point it out um but from the musical standpoint I enjoyed it too because it's the same again as uh we do not belong together in act one and the two songs even shares bits of its lyrics and from act one you get to see how we do not belong together. The song doesn't end. The, mu- the music slowly kind of segments into beautiful. And to me, I read it as it doesn't end because the problem is left unresolved. But then here in Act 2, the conflict established in Act 1 is finally resolved. And here the song can end. So for me, the true resolution comes in the wisdom 
um, of the George from Act One now pass on to George through dot like a talk about and they finally have an opportunity to harmonize together in the song where they're finally in emotional harmony as well as this musical harmony because if you think about it they didn't really have a lot of chance to sing to get to harmonize together prior to the song other than the one time in a, com- a color and light and and there they're more like conflicting with one another rather than singing harmony so mm-hmm. I feel like that musical interpretation of just how much they are now together on the same page is very significant I also really enjoyed it for me it was more of a nice final reconnection between Dot and George considering you know in my opinion that was kind of the point of the musical Mm -hmm. in terms of plot Mm -hmm. it's also a really good closer to modern day George because of what you said it kind of ties everything together in the lesson that he needed to learn personally I thought the dot was speaking for herself through you know Marie and that experience rather than to teach what George in act one learned so I think that is the main difference between how the both of us view the experience I think like George is kind of atoning for the sin of his father in this case his great-grandfather by becoming a more whole person all in all through the guidance of Marie and dot who had the understanding through George, but not like George, original George, but not really connecting to the original George himself. And I think you view it more of a direct result of George himself speaking through George the Younger, Mm -hmm. if I'm understanding you correctly. Um, So I think that's the difference why we view it. And I think both the ways are very compelling and there's good way to rationalize both of them. And Musically, as usual, they sound very, very beautiful when they sing together. It does look like one of the main themes of the musical, like, are resolved here from the plot perspective and also thematically. And perhaps this is why we have the act two in the first place, because they wanted to tie it this way because they feel like it was more cohesive. And they completely endorse that. I think that's a good idea, except I wish that it was rearranged a little bit um, or maybe had a little bit more of a rationalization towards it to make it easier for people to follow, because it's something that is not necessarily very intuitive. This act, uh, this uh, this song, all in all, I think was very, very strong, very good. I thought it was really necessary for them to have it, so I'm glad they did. Okay. Uh, should we go into our final thoughts? I don't think we'll probably will have anything new to say about Sunday. Yeah, I will say that I really like it. I feel like this musical is very philosophical, is very poetic, and like I said, like over and over again, it really inspire you to reflect to think and to think deeper onto what it was trying to talk about so it definitely requires some efforts and energy and attention it's not one of those musicals that you can just sort of like place in the background and do other things at the same time like I find myself having to focus 100% on what's going on and to really dig deeper into the plot the characters and the music the one thing I really enjoy about this musical is just how it really ties the two acts together even though that they're set in like hundreds years apart from one another but there are beautiful recalls to act one all the time the similarities between the two acts are 
overwhelming, really, because the music in Act Two is directly based on the music in the first act, and they are even presented in the same order for the most part. So, just the amount of thoughts and the care, the details that goes into Um, organizing these two acts and to make sure that everything echoes one another, everything recalls back to what it was before, the the way that this finale ends versus the how it shows opens up, everything was just so intimately connected to one another. And that's something that I really appreciate. I can see how much care and love <laughs> that he spent on creating this musical. And I think the fact that you can feel that as audience is really a gift you know to make you appreciate the amount of work that goes into making this happen even though I'll admit like the music was a little bit hard to get into and especially if you only listen to the cast recording it could be confusing sometimes and it's definitely not one of those like catchy songs where you can just sing along like Mamma Mia on the road trip but if you spend enough time to think about it and to enjoy it and to really spend time um watching it I think most people enjoy it like it Mm -hmm. speaks truth to a lot of things even though it might look like it's only talking about an artist's life on the surface and I guess most of us can't really relate to being an artist um, because we're not right but like the words that opened this musical order design composition tension balance and harmony these words also apply to life right that he has to learn we have to learn to infuse our lives and his work and our work with a clear design with a healthy tension with thoughtful composition all that so this show does not just tell us explicitly about one artist it talks to us about our lives in general Um, And I also love the fact that it leaves an open ending because we don't know what happens after the curtains goes down. Like we don't know what George is going to do after he learns all these lessons. Is he going to get back with his ex? Is he going to have kids? We don't know. And that's the beauty of it, that we returned to our reality with so many possibilities of that quote unquote, the blank page, right? Um, So to me, it's a true poetic masterpiece that combines life lessons, feelings, relationships, family, and self-exploration so beautifully with music and lyrics. So I think to that level is absolutely incredible. Once again, we have exactly opposing thoughts, (laughs) which is really interesting. So for me, I absolutely love the music here. I think the music is top notch, but as a person for personal taste, I really dislike media that is about life. And I personally like media that is more escapist, and this is definitely not it. So I feel like I will echo my thoughts on Sweeney Todd to an extent here. I really, really enjoy the lyrics. I really, really enjoyed the musical, um, the music aspect in the musical. I just wasn't a big fan of the story itself. It just seems very grounded in reality, but at the same time, very abstract. It lacked a bit of consistent central storyline for me. And the themes could have been clearer. Of course, that could be the great thing that people like about it. For example, you, you like that it's so open-ended. I don't tend to like open-ended stories. Um, And that is not what I see musicals for. So a lot of people, I think, would be in the same mindset as me. If this is you, then 
keep that in mind if you are the type of person who does like more of the open-minded store open-ended stories stories that are about life stories that can be a little bit more depressing this might be really really up your alley uh, because I agree with you in terms of this seems very much like a serious Oscar worthy drama rather than normal show tunes that being said I really did enjoy the writing in a lot of other aspects so I like the way the characters are written and portrayed I thought it was very very realistic they felt very human very flesh and blood I think I actually felt emotions towards them which is so important I didn't feel detached from the musical and for the characters at all apart from that the acting the singing the set design which i think is what they won the tony for the costuming were absolutely top-notch amazing and the musical is definitely worth seeing for those elements alone even if the story itself might be lacking or something that is not as enjoyable for you as a person um i think there's enough in everything else that would still make it worth your while if you are not the type of person who enjoyed these kind of elements so yeah should we move into our next segment sure this one i'm sure i'm gonna absolutely flop i wonder how you will do either because i couldn't find any character quiz which is what we usually like doing but i did find a knowledge quiz which i don't think i will do very well on (laughs) you want to introduce it it just says is sunday in the park with george quiz uh fun trivia so yes, um, they have three of them. This has 10 questions and there is another one that has 20 and another one with 10. Uh, the byline for here is Sunday in the Park with George is an award-winning mu- musical. Do you think you think you know the show? Let's find out. The first question is what piece of art is Sunday in the Park with George based on? So this we covered in the introduction. You better get this right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it has the word Sunday in it. Like, yeah. How can anybody miss that? <laughs> the options are, oh my God, no French. Uh, um, un ben, benade, benade. Oh <laughs> we can just say the correct A answer. I don't think by we need to. George... Okay, good. Thank you so much. A Sunday, of... A Sunday afternoon on the island of La Gangiote by George Seurat. That is the correct answer. We all know it. Very good. Who wrote the book for Sunday in the Park with George? Jerome Robbins, Stephen Sondheim, James Lapine, Arthur Lawrence. Stephen. Okay, James Lapine. Um, really? Who, yeah. Oh, I did <laughs> not you know. you click on Stephen still. Who wrote the music and lyrics for the show? Jonathan Larson. Hmm, I wonder where they got that idea from. Stephen Sondheim, Hugh Wheeler, Bob Fosse. Imagine somebody <laughs> answer like Jonathan Larson and be like, okay. <laughs> they're very influenced by Sunday from Tick Tick Boom I can tell you that <laughs> I'm gonna go with Steven I hope that's right I'm gonna go with Steven too in 2008 the show was revived on Broadway by the Roundabout Theatre Company what theatre was it in? do you see the amount of like minute details you have to go and remember through this that's why I know I'll flop but the options are Gershwin <laughs> Theater, Studio 54, Hilton Theater, Lincoln Center Theater, and the Vivian Beaumont. I have no idea. Because um, I think... Okay, you go first. No, no, you can go first. No, 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 no. you go first. first. <laughs> uh, Hilton? I think it won't be Gershwin Theater. I don't know. I don't remember from our Wicked episode where it became the thing, but I know Wicked is constantly on Gershwin. And I think Lincoln Center... 
Is that where, where I watched the ballet? I'm not sure. I'm going to go with Studio 54. Okay. Who played George in the original Broadway cast of the show? Manuel Felciano, Felciano Mandy Patinkin, David Hess, Michael Cerveri. Mandy Patinkin? Yes. <laughs> Who played Dot Marie in the original Broadway cast? Idina Menzel, Bernadette Peters, Ashley Brown, Joanna Gleason. Bernadette Peters. Yeah. How many cast members from the original Broadway cast of Sunday in the Park with George also were in the original cast of Into the Woods? No idea. I know say... at least two. I know at least two that were for sure. Right, I'm going to pick two. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to pick four just to be different from you. <laughs> okay. Who plays the boatman slash Dennis in the original cast? Alexander Gemgiani, Gemnanani. <laughs> well, <What>? I'm sorry. <laughs> William Perry, Michael Saraveris, none of these. Um, I'm going to pick William. I'm going to pick Michael just because I remember seeing his name in the Who Played Original George. So they might be connected. Okay. <laughs> who plays the Boatman Dennis in the 2008 Broadway revival? Alexander Jemmy Gnani. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. Rick Lyon, Daniel Evans, none of these. I'm actually going to pick Alexander because he showed up twice. So he must be one of them. I'm going to follow suit. Um, the 2006 London revival of the show won four Olivia Awards, the British equivalent of Tony Award. When it was revived on Broadway in 2008, it was nominated for nine Tony Awards. Out of those nine Tony nominations, how many did the show actually win? This one I do know. The options are zero, four, six, and three. Um, I'm going to go with zero. It is zero. Oh, really? Okay, cool. <laughs> Submit my answer. Um we got okay what we got right we got the name of the artwork that's very good for the both of us the person who wrote the book is james lapine the person who wrote the music and lyrics is stephen sondheim the studio 54 is the correct answer for the revival thank you um mendy patinkin played original george bernadette peters played original mary and dot and there are four people in the cast for into the woods and sunday in the park with george I know about Bernadette Peters because I told, I said already that you played the witch, if you listen carefully. Um, and I knew about the nurse, but there is Danielle, Danielle Furland who played Louisa and slash a boy in Sunday, but left before it was filmed, played Little Red Riding Hood. Didn't know that. Barbara Brine, who played old lady Blair Daniels in Sunday, played Jack's mother. Robert Westenberg, who played Soldier Alex and Sunday, played Wolf and Cinderella's Prince. Interesting. Who played the boatman Dennis in the original cast? It was none of these. So we both got that wrong, I think. The person, I wouldn't have guessed if it wasn't for you, but the person who played the boatman slash Dennis in the 2008 Broadway revival is, I'm so sorry again in advance, Alexander Jem Gnani. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> there is zero Tony Award one in the 2008 revival. So we got, I got nine out of 10. Oh, that's good. I got six out of 10. Which is the average score for this quiz. Okay, cool. Okay. Very, very good. Should we go into our final thoughts? We already no, did. Final thought. I did this again. Oh my God. I did this last time too. Oh my God. Um, our final score. All right. Okay. Um, I'll get it 
eight out of ten puffs. Cream puffs, you mean? Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised. I expected it to be way higher considering your final thoughts. I was like, wow, she's going to give it a 9.5 or something like that. Oh, not I'm... that high. I wish okay. the music was like more catchy though. <laughs> exactly the opposite of me. That's amazing. I'm going to give it 6.5 out of 10. What the heck dogs. Okay. Okay. So I think this is all for Sunday in the Park with George. Correct me if I'm wrong. Am I right? Am I wrong? Who knows? Um, if you want to discuss with us this episode, and there's a lot to discuss, if you want to discuss something we already talked about, a musical we talked about previously, feel free to do that. And if you want to give us recommendations or something that you really urgently want us to discuss next, we would be so happy to oblige. You can do all of that through our social media at Podway Podcast on Instagram, Reddit, and technically Twitter, but not really Twitter. Or if you're not a social media person, you can contact us through our email address at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. Now, we asked this last time, and if you can do it again, please do so. If you enjoyed us, please consider giving us a review. Um, anywhere that you can review us, it would really help us out. Uh, it will help people find our uh, podcast and grow the community. So that would be great. We would be very much appreciated. Next week... We have a very special guest making a, a, an appearance again. It's going to be my sister, Emma. And we normally don't know which musical we're going to announce. And I don't think Claire knows yet either. But now you both will know. Um, we're going to discuss the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee is what we'll discuss. Uh, stay tuned for that. Until then, happy mid-February. <laughs> and bye. <laughs>